0: Good morning. It's Monday, June 26, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at uh, the Cantor Managed ETF Portfolios. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. I can be followed intro week uh, on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. Uh, let's get right into it start with the disclosures the presentation is prepared by us for use with you whether you are a financial advisor or an individual or institutional investor doesn't matter you are expected to make your own investment decisions nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice there are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities everything is purely for informational purposes only it's Adequacy, accuracy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Well, we finally got a negative week. We've had quite a rally here throughout the year, and quite a rally that has defied a lot of predictions by a lot of really smart strategists on Wall Street. Uh, The market has literally climbed the proverbial wall of worry. Uh, But last week was negative. You can see small and mid-cap stocks really took a beating, a little bit of a beating there, 25 uh, you know, and 3% respectively. Let me move that over to the laser. I like the laser better. Developed international markets down about 3.3. S&P kind of held in there. The leadership continues with large cap U.S., specifically technology. Definitely influenced uh, by the current discussions around artificial intelligence, uh, really inflating the market a little bit here. Fixed income was positive, caught a bit with the exception of high yield because it has that strong correlation, as we know, to equities. Moving on, data last week, there was plenty of it. Some great, some not so great. And it really shows the dichotomy that exists in the economy today. On the one hand, manufacturing is aggressively slowing. Uh, weekly jobless claims are growing, but the service sector continues to operate at a very robust pace. Another thing that's defying the odds is the housing sector. Despite higher interest rates, despite challenges in affordability, housing continues to trade hands. And the, na- the nation's home builders said they got positive or neutral from being negative for some time, In May, the National Association of Home Builder Market Sentiment Index came up to 50. That's the line of delineation between uh, optimism and pessimism. It's the 11-month high, six consecutive monthly increases, and it exceeded every estimate of every economist or strategist that reported into the Bloomberg survey. So that was a big welcome surprise and a positive. Housing represents about 4% of the U.S. economy. Continuing with the housing theme, we saw housing starts and permits both continue to shoot higher. Housing starts came in at an annualized pace of 1.6 million. That's up from 1.4 the prior month. Permits came in at about 1.5, also up from 1.4 the prior month. The, these numbers were the largest increase, increases since May of 2016. And also exceeded all estimates from the Bloomberg Survey of Economists and Strategists. So that's a great, great data, great number. It's all, but what it's done now is it's given the Fed this sort of more conviction that they would be okay if they raise rates further because they haven't yet seen significant deterioration in the economy. Many don't believe we've we've tipped over into a recession. I think I'm an exception to that view. We'll get back to that here in a second. One of the reasons I'm an exception to that view is. So many of these regional Fed surveys are negative, uh, as well as the national manufacturing surveys. Let's start with the Philly Fed regional survey, though, fell uh, to minus 16.6 from minus 16 in May. So that is a very significant full year of negative. That's a full year now. That's 12 consecutive months. That's actually 11 months, but it's close enough. Moving on, weekly initial jobless claims came in at 264. That's the third week in a row at that sort of 255, 265 level. Estimates were for 259. Remember, we were down under 200 back in September, just back in September. So very significant turnaround in the job situation. We still have more job openings than we have unemployed, But this reduces that upward pressure, that inflationary pressure in the labor market, to be sure. Moving back to residential real estate, existing home sales in May sold at a 4.3 million pace. The estimate was for 4.25, so right about in line. Still way below where we were when interest rates were essentially zero. But uh, a lot of this lowness has more to do with supply than it has to do with the interest rate environment. We also got another negative reading from the Conference Board's Leading Economic Index. Here, when the index is above zero, it's predicting that the economy will be expanding in future months. When it's below zero, as it was in May, minus 0.7%, it's predicting that the economy is contracting. When you have multiple months in a row that are negative and significantly slow, like where we are, just significantly below zero, like where we are now, you know, undoubtedly get recession. Let's go back. Here's the 1990 recession. You can see here, several months in a row, dipping down at more than minus 1%, got a negative. We got a blip here in 95 without a recession. There's 2000, 2001 recession. There's the 07, 08 recession. There's the 2020 recession, and we're kinda at that line. We're at that that point where if that doesn't turn higher and soon, they'll actually declare the recession that I think we've been in since March. Okay, moving on to the National uh, S&P Global Manufacturing and Services Survey, formerly known as Marquette. In June, manufacturing came in at 46.3, that's below the consensus estimate. It's the largest contraction in three years. It's a six month low reading. And new orders, which is a indication of future activity, uh, hit hit a significant contraction rate equivalent to that of May of 2020, the last time we were in an officially declared recession. But manufacturing is only about 15% of the US economy. The other piece of the US economy is the services sector and that remains comfortably above 50. Came in at 54.9 for June, estimate was for 55.1. When you put the services together with manufacturing, over here, manufacturing plus services together, you get a composite, the composite's still at 53. That's above 50, suggests that the economy as a whole is still growing because the service sector remains strong because jobs remain still pretty strong, pretty robust. Uh, people are, businesses are less willing to lay off now knowing how difficult it was to staff back up. But if the recession is declared and if it's deeper or longer than I expect, then we're gonna see a pickup, a significant pickup in job claims. And when we start having weeks above 300,000, then you'll start to see some hand-wringing and some concern out there. So, with this sort of mixed message, inflation still has not completely rolled over, although the, 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 it, we have moved into a period of less inflationary pressure, to be sure, and the Fed knows that its policy acts with a lag. We've showed you in previous weeks that uh, money supply growth has been negative year over year. There's been interest rate hikes. The lending uh, standards have uh, tightened significantly at commercial banks. All of this is disinflationary, higher weekly jobs, uh, weekly uh, initial claims for unemployment, et cetera. And the Fed did pause, did not hike rates or cut rates, pause on its rate hiking cycle at its last meeting. So the question becomes, what what does the futures market think of the future meetings? Well, a one, you can see there in November, one means one more hike of 25 basis points. So that could come in july 70 percent chance it could pause again and do it in september about a 90 percent chance but the markets believe that somehow some way there will be another 25 basis point rate hike between now and november before then moving towards uh rate cuts perhaps uh, towards the end of the year early part of 2024 so this this 0.175 is from where we are today so they're saying, well, maybe we get 25 basis points and then eh, a good chance of a cut by, let's say, December or January uh, at the latest. All depends on how the economy moves. Now, the question I get from everybody is, hey, the you're saying the economy is slowing. Yes, it is. We know that stock market valuations are kind of high. Yes, they are. So shouldn't we be taking more risk off the table and reducing our equity exposure. Well, maybe, we've done that here. We're, we're neutral equities to the market and historically we tend to be a little overweight. I wouldn't say on a permanent basis, but we tend to favor equities over the long term. And one of the ways we measure value in equities is whether or not the, there is an equity risk premium. It's real simple. You take the earnings yield, that's the earnings of the S&P 500, divided by the price of the S&P 500. That's the earnings yield, earnings over price. It's the inverse of price to earnings ratio. So that earnings yield, and then you compare it to a risk-free yield. And because stocks bear risk, you should always expect higher earnings from stocks than you would from bonds to compensate you for the risk you assume in owning equities, right? They don't have a maturity date, they're not guaranteed in the case of a treasury, et cetera. So when the earnings yield exceeds the risk-free yield, which I'm defining as the US 10-year treasury yield, you get a positive number and there's value. What most people are pointing out is this value here, this equity risk premium with about 1% is low by historic standards. When you, They say when you really wanna enter equities is when the numbers are much higher. Three and a half, four percent risk premium. Okay, that's fair, but that's textbook. Look at the graph here over on the left. Look at all those years where you got paid more in interest on the risk-free yield than you did on the earnings yield of the S and P. All those negative years. In those cases, the argument would be not own equities at all. Yet. We all know, because we lived through it, that the period of the 1990s was one of the best historic periods for equity returns. So making an absolute judgment based on, hey, the equity risk premium is only 1%, I should stop owning equities, could be foolish. And in fact, for this entire year, it would have been foolish as well. So if the equity risk premium is modest, okay, well, maybe we'll be a little neutral, but this relationship here could imply maybe that interest rates are going to come down why would interest rates come down because the economy is slowed and inflation is slowed, and therefore the equity risk premium would simply be higher if the 10-year treasury went from 370 to 270 the equity risk premium would double and would be at a level consistent with what people say is a good value for equities but to be fair It could also imply the stock market's overvalued and has significant downside. And that is what a number of strategists are suggesting. I just wouldn't want to bet the farm on it, knowing what I know about what happened all those years, a full decade of negative equity risk premiums. Okay, moving on, economic data for this week. Nothing big today on Monday, but lots of data throughout the rest of the week from durable goods, a lot of residential real estate data, Uh, Conference boards, consumer confidence number, wholesale inventories, GDP numbers expected to be up a tick from the initial report for Q1. Okay. Personal consumption, weekly jobless claims, core PCE, uh, prices, personal income, Michigan sentiment, a few earnings. I I, I like Carnival, Walgreens, Micron, paychecks, and Nike. Paychecks, Nike, and Micron, I think are three big ones this week. Micron, obviously tech, health, paychecks, obviously jobs, 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 health of the labor market, and Nike, strength of the consumer. Okay, don't forget, you can listen on a podcast or get the subscription with all the great charts and graphs. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back to you again in one week.